Hey guys, what's going on? Welcome to a brand new edition of the Sam Vassell Podcast on the Ambiguous Podcast Solutions. And right now, I'm going to be bringing you the latest and greatest going on around the world of Hollywood. Hope everyone is having a wonderful Wednesday. We are halfway through the week already, which is kind of crazy, and we're almost to the weekend. But before we get to the weekend, we still have a few days to go. And right now, I'm going to be talking about some major stories that are coming out of the world of Hollywood. A lot of casting news, some trailers that I'm going to be getting into, and a whole lot more. But the first thing that I do want to talk about is some surprising, well, not really surprising news but some surprising casting additions that came along with this official announcement according to Deadline, Hollywood Reporter, a lot of the major trades involving movie news, and they came out and said that the George Miller film Furiosa is officially finally in the works. They have a full cast. It seems like they're getting ready to go, and that production could happen maybe within the next year or so. And Furiosa is going to be a prequel spinoff set in the Mad Max universe, and it is going to be telling the story of Charlize Theron's character Furiosa from Mad Max Fury Road, but 20 years from the past and kind of delving into her origin stories. And since Charlize, who was incredible and was, I think, phenomenal in Mad Max Fury Road, and I think really kind of cemented her as being one of the best action stars in Hollywood, both male and female, it, that means movie was really the big showcase for her unfortunately as much as I love Charlize and a lot of people love Charlize and George Miller loves Charlize Theron she's a little bit older than kind of playing somebody that same age 20 years younger so George Miller has said he said in a New York Times article uh, celebrating the anniversary of Mad Max Fury Road that he had to go younger and younger he did go and if you need to replace Charlize Theron which is a hard task to do then I think he got the best replacement for her in that character and that is going to be the upcomer Anya Taylor-Joy who will be taking over that role and coming alongside of her this is really where the main surprise news came about with this story is that being alongside of her it's going to be Yahya Abdul-Mateen II who you've heard me talk about who you probably heard a lot about in this in this fear of sci-fi comic book genre and also another person within that genre who played the God of Thunder and that is Chris Hemsworth himself those two will be starring alongside Anya Taylor-Joy in roles that are undisclosed at the moment right now so we don't know who they are going to be playing we just know that they will be the co-stars along alongside the up up and coming shining star of Anya Taylor-Joy George Miller will be coming back to direct and write this film and basically the core crew from Mad Max Fury Road it sounds like is going to be coming back for this spinoff and this isn't something that George Miller has been kind of just throwing the mill at or the studio wanted him to make this film. This is something that has been on his mind for years. Everyone was wondering, is it going to be another Mad Max movie? Is it going to be this Furiosa spinoff? People were wondering what the next installment for Mad Max was going to be. And it seems like George Miller wanted to do this Furiosa spinoff, which he said when he was creating Mad Max Fury Road for all the characters from The Brides, from Immortan Joe, all these characters, he created these origin stories, but he couldn't really get into it in the, the film that came out in 2015, so he was always interested in going back to these characters and where they came from, and again, because Furiosa was became so popular and was basically the main star 
of Mad Max, even though the title was Mad Max Free Road, a lot of people point to Furiosa being the star of that film. He wanted to go back and, and explain where that character comes from, how she lost her arm, how she was able to come in contact with the Morton Joe. So we're going to see that all come around. And I'm really excited for this. This gets my level of anticipation really high for this movie. I was a major fan of Mad Max Fury Road. It was my number two film of 2015. It, it was absolutely from beginning to end a balls to the walls action thriller non-stop pedal to the metal and that is what george miller does amazing along with the phenomenal visuals that came along with that movie and to see him kind of go back to this well is going to be very interesting and i'm really excited to see what anya taylor joy does with this because like i said before she is one of the best up-and-coming actresses in the game i think 2020 has been an incredible year for her professionally at least not personally probably because of covid but professionally she has been having an incredible year between emma which i thought she was a highlight in and stole that movie she i thought i didn't see new mutants but i heard good things about her role she seemed like she was really stood out in that film she was in in split in glass so she's been making the waves as of recently and this is going to be I think her her highest profile project to date and I think this could really kind of elevate her and again I think she can work as a younger Charlize I think she can make it work I think she's gonna bring it and so I'm excited to see that work between director and actor how that will go Yahya Abdul-Mateen II I mean talk about somebody who's having one hell of a start to his career between Aquaman Watchmen he's gonna be in trial of the Chicago 7 that's coming to Netflix this week there's just a whole bunch of stuff to look forward to with Yahya Abdul Mateen II. He's going to be in Matrix 4. He's going to be in Aquaman 2, it sounds like. So there's just a lot of great high-profile projects that he is that he is in right now. And it's not just because he looks attractive. It's because he really does have the acting chops and the credibility to be in these movies. So I'm really excited to see how he works alongside George Miller as well. And the same goes for Chris Hemsworth because we all know him to be the God of Thunder. But one of the things, the big thing that has been tapped into for Chris Hemsworth is his comedic uh, chops, really. And you saw Taika Waititi tap into that with Thor Ragnarok. And even though Ghostbusters, the one in 2016, wasn't a huge hit, I think one of the highlights that a lot of people saw as kind of being a a very interesting part of the movie was Chris Hemsworth's humor. And we've seen it kind of throughout his career over the last few years. And so to kind of see him work with somebody on the tour level of a George Miller, he hasn't really done worked with somebody like that before so i'm gonna be very interested to see what george miller can bring out of chris hemsworth that we haven't yet seen already and again the same goes for all three of these actors and these performers that miller is going to be working with so this really does excite me i'm excited to get back into the world of mad max and i don't know what this is going to be called when you talk about marketability because even though people know furiosa and as much as I think Anya Taylor-Joy is going to knock it out of the park in this role, when you think Furiosa, you think Charlize. So what is the marketing department going to do to get people convinced that this is a prequel, this is going to be something that is set within that same universe? And for people that are fans of Mad Max, they might know Furiosa, but are they going to know that this is in the Mad Max universe? So are you going to have like a, 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 a subsequent, subsequent title, Mad Max Universe Presents Furiosa or something? How are you going to do that? So 
that'll be very interesting. But I think this is probably going to be a lot smoother of a production, hopefully, than what we have gotten with Mad Max Fury Road and kind of hearing all the crazy stuff that went behind the scenes on in Fury Road and how that production, which was crazy, turned into what many, many people call a modern day masterpiece right now. So I think this is going to be, it's hopefully a lot smoother of a production. It sounds like the studio is green lighting this. They're happy with this. They're satisfied as Mad Max Fury Road didn't make a whole lot of money, but for its budget, it was a modest success and it went on to win a lot of Academy Awards. It was, the, I believe, the most nominated movie at the 2016 Oscars for the 2015 year. So there was a lot to really enjoy about Mad Max Fury Road. It won, it really almost swept, almost swept, but didn't entirely sweep the below the line category for that year's Oscars. So people really loved that movie. And if George Miller is coming back, the person who created this universe, who who has classics like Mad Max, like The World Warrior, coming back to this franchise, I think is going to get a lot of people very excited for this and confident that even if he's making something crazy or outlandish, you got to trust that he knows what he's doing. And it seems like that could be the very well the case with Furiosa. But guys, what do you think about a Furiosa film? Are you excited about it? Are you not excited about it? Are, are you still in the same lane that you might have been when you heard this rumored around for the last few years? Let me know what you think down below and leave your thoughts. Moving on now to another bit of movie news that isn't all that shocking considering the times that we're in right now, but I think it's kind of a little bit shocking when you hear the details about it. And it was announced yesterday by Variety that Coming to America 2 is moving from Paramount Pictures for theatrical release to a streaming release, not on Netflix, but on Amazon Prime. And there was no new official release date for this movie yet, but it was also put into the details that Paramount will be coming out with a deal with Amazon Studios or Amazon Prime for around $125 million for this project, which still has to get the official go-no-go from Eddie Murphy because he is one of the main creative forces behind this project. But it sounds like pretty much once he gives the okay, this is going to be a done deal. And they had some cross-marketing issues that they had to figure out. But again, once Murphy signs off on this, it sounds like it's going to be officially official. But this is another example of Paramount specifically kind of cutting their losses on some of these movies, making as much money as they can, and moving on to the future when it comes to their movies for theatrical release later on down the line. And in a world that still has a pandemic going on right now, and theaters really struggling and a lot of studios moving a lot of their major productions from 2020 all the way to 2021 even 2022 some studios are saying again let's just cut the losses that we have and this was a film that was supposed to come out around christmas day it could still very well do that there is again no release date as of yet but i think this is a great move for amazon prime uh, Amazon Studios because I think they really want to get into the game of not just streaming, which they're already in, but really coming out with big blockbusters like Netflix does, like Disney Plus did this summer with Hamilton. 
and really kind of get into the name of the game of getting people to come over to their su- subscription. And it seems like they're really going to be doing that in the next few months between this and Borat 2, which is coming out in, in about a week or so, which is kind of crazy. They're going to get a lot of eyeballs on them in the next few weeks for people that want to check out these movies. And Coming to America 2 is based off of a, of a classic comedy from Eddie Murphy in his filmography. People have been clamoring for a sequel to this film for years, and it finally happened. So I think this could have been a modest box office success if we were in a non-COVID world right now. So I think if you get it on a streaming service, I think it could easily get a lot of eyeballs on it as well. And again, for Paramount, this is just the latest addition for them. They moved in the very beginning. They were one of the first few studios to move one of their projects that was intended for theatrical to Netflix instead to a streaming service with the Lovebirds with Issa Rae and Kumail Nanjiani. Then they did it with Trial of the Chicago 7, which is coming out this weekend on Netflix. They did it with Without Remorse, which is based off of the Tom Clancy novel with Michael B. Jordan. That doesn't have a release date yet, but it moved over to Amazon Prime. And then, of course, you have Coming to America, too. So that it's I think Paramount sees that, OK, we're not going to make any money off of this or the kind of money that we would in normal times. Let's cut deals. Let's cut our losses and then move on to other things that we have going on right now. So I think this is, again, another big win for streaming services. I think this gives the big blockbuster indication for those companies right now that they usually don't have when they make their own original film. So I think with the namesakes, with the name titles, this could be interesting and, and another kind of blow for the theaters that they really unfortunately don't need at this moment in time. But again, it, it's a business model. It's show business. It's not showmanship. And these studios still need to make some money somehow. And that is what Paramount is doing right now because they don't have a streaming service like Disney does or like Warner Media does or or even NBC Universal at this moment in time. They don't have that. They're, they're going to be coming out with one next year with Paramount Plus, but they don't have they they can't really wait that long with these movies. So it makes sense that they want to gain as much money as they can with these deals and just kind of move on and look forward towards the future. So I think this is the biggest profile to come out in terms of these major deals that are happening. I think this is Amazon's biggest profile that will come out in terms of a movie that, again, will get eyes because of the stars. Eddie Murphy is having a career resurgence as of right now. You're seeing Wesley Snipes in this. You have people like Kiki Lane. It's just an incredible cast. And I think in times that we live in right now, you want more diversity. You want more voices heard. I think this is a movie that is going to have voices heard that that are underrepresented and I think are going to be represented in this movie. So this is... I think the biggest profile film to move from a studio to a streaming service right now and for for Amazon this is a big one for them so congratulations to them Paramount can celebrate with the money they got again 125 million dollars that's crazy that's a lot of money that Amazon spent to get this film but I'm sure for them that's just pocket change so what do you guys think about this move that Amazon is getting coming to America too let me know what you think and leave your thoughts and moving on to the final things that I want to talk about in the world of movie news, and that is some trending trailers that came out earlier today. 
The first one that I want to talk about is one that is an indie film, speaking of Amazon Prime, that is coming to the streaming service on December 11th, and that is the brand new Rachel Brosnan film, I'm Your Woman. And this is more of a, of a drama film, unlike her comedic chops that she performs on with the marvelous Mrs. Maisel, it's directed by Julia Hart, and it seems like a, a, an interesting uh, film. It's being made, it making its way through the festival circuit right now. It's being performed and premiered and showcased at the AFI Film Festival and a few others as well. So I don't know if this is really awards contention. It, it certainly could be, especially for Rachel Brosnahan's performance. But I'm excited to see another side of Rachel Brosnahan, something that isn't comedic, something that showcases the versatile acting chops that she has. And I love seeing that from all performers, whether it's an actor or an actress. And I, I love seeing it from Jonah Hill. I love seeing it from other actresses that are comedians as well that can transition so seamlessly from being a comedian to a dramatic performer and vice versa. So it seems like she really nails that down here. I love the fact that she's somebody that that is on the run with a child, but she has to look out for her, her family, and she's trying to juggle all these different things. And it seems like she's really trying to struggle, but comes out with it and, and tries to get within her husband's kind of crime sins again. It looks interesting. We'll see how it performs. And it's coming out during the holiday time. So especially in a time where there might not be a lot of performance or a lot of material coming out in theaters, depending on where a lot of those movies in December land, if they keep their release dates during that month or they move to 2021, there could be a lot of stuff on streaming services. And this could be one of them that people try to check out that could be a diamond in the rough. So definitely piqued my interest a little bit, but not so much as these other two trailers that came out earlier today. And the first one that I'm gonna talk about is for the brand new Netflix film that is going to be an award season contender, and that is Hillbilly Eggly. It is based off of the book that came out a few years ago. It's directed by Ron Howard, and it's starring Glenn Close and Amy Adams, two people that are multi-Academy Award nominated actresses that have never won in their career but Glenn Close has seven nominations Amy Adams was right on her tail with six nominations with no wins and this could seem like it's going to add to their resume of at least getting award nominations because both of them together are just incredible on screen you see the physical transformation that Glenn Close had to go through which he really looks unrecognizable in this role and this this performance could very well get her on the level of maybe earning an Academy Award win at this year's Oscars especially with the new eligibility window, but it seems like it's going to be between her and Olivia Coleman for the father. Another close v. Coleman kind of scenario that we got a few years ago between the the woman and the favorite. So I think this is going to be a very very interesting. But Amy Adams looks like she gives an amazing performance as well. And Ron Howard is somebody who is always kind of an on again off again director where he has some hits like Apollo 13 or a beautiful mind. And then he has a few misses along the way as well. So he's somebody that maybe you can rely on to make a really good picture, but this could turn out to be a scenario where it's more of the performances that that elevate the film to what make it to what could make it a potentially great film down the line. So uh, we'll see what happens with this film, but I, I kind of I like the style of it. it. It definitely lives up to the expectations I had with this movie in terms of seeing the first Marvel 
marketing for this, the performances was what I was looking to see if it really did live up to the hype that I have on my Gold Derby account of putting Amy Adams and Glenn Close so high up on Best Actress and Best Supporting Actress, and they lived up to that, at least in the trailer. So it's a matter of just seeing it for the first time and seeing it actually play out throughout its entirety, and I'll be able to see that on November 24th on Netflix. And again, this just adds to the awards kind of onslaught that Netflix is going to be having this year between Mank, between The Five Bloods, between, again, The Trial of Chicago 7, which is going to be making some buzz over the next few weeks when it comes out on Friday, and so many others that I just can't name off the top of my head, but those are the ones that come to mind. So I think for Hillbilly Eggly, I think this is this also showcases the, the middle of America, and this showcases uh, people that maybe a lot of people don't really see all that much and see what people really kind of go through in the the middle of the country. So we'll see how this goes, but it seems like it could be a very interesting film with potential phenomenal performances from two outstanding actresses in their own right with Glenn Close and Amy Adams. But what do you guys think about the trailer for Hillbilly Ugly? Let me know what you think in the comments and leave your thoughts. And the final trailer that I want to talk about sees the return of another dynamic duo that I haven't really heard of from in a few years, and that is the directing performance of Paul W.S. Anderson and Mila Djokovic reuniting once again for Monster Hunter. A, it is based off of this video game that basically has a, a whole world that is filled with these insane-looking monsters, and Paul W.S. Anderson and Mila Djokovic are a married couple, and they worked on the highly successful Resident Evil films, which made a whole lot of money, didn't do well critically, but it made the studio a lot of quiche that they decided to make multiple sequels to this franchise. And it seems like that they're doing it again with a different one. And it, it was what I expected it to be from a first trailer where... As long as I get crazy action sequences with these really crazy monsters, I'll be happy. It has Tony Jaa, who I think is a really, is a very underrated action star, who it was in the Raid films, he was in Mile 22, and he's just, he's an incredible athlete when it comes to martial arts. And you have T.I. Harris, the rapper in this, he looks cool doing what he does in this, but I think if you're just looking to have a good time with all these crazy monsters, and humans fighting these monsters on this planet. This looks like an, an enjoyable trailer. And uh, one thing I will say that really impressed me was the visuals of these monsters, where they look realistic enough. They don't look, it doesn't look like goofy CGI, goofy, goofy computer animation. It looks all legit. So I was really, really impressed by that from this first trailer. And we'll see how it all goes down. I mean, this is right now moving up from April of 2021 to December of 2020. So this decided to, instead of pushing back, decided to move up back into 2020. So we'll see if it keeps that date, but this is, could be a film that maybe could be one of the first ones to start the box office. And if you're looking again for this crazy, again, stupid monster fun, this could be the film for you right now. So there could be some interest when it comes to this film. There could be some interest 
in this in a potential franchise with this i'm not really sure about that but if there is one duo that knows how to create a franchise and continue a franchise even if they're not critically received well they made a lot of money for the studio that made the resident evil franchise so maybe this is the same thing that'll happen with this one and it becomes a successful financial franchise for the studio with monster hunter but what do you guys think about the trailers that i listed off hillbilly ugly monster hunter and i'm your woman let me know what you think and leave your thoughts and the final thing that i want to talk about today is moving away from movie news moving away from trailers and that is my annual weekend preview for what is coming out this weekend and really the big one that a lot of people are going to talk about is the netflix drama from aaron sorkin who wrote and directed this film the trial of the chicago seven which has an incredible cast of sasha Baron cohen jeremy strong eddie redmayne mark rylance yaya abdul Team the second, Jordan Gordon, Jordan Gordon Levitt. I believe Michael Keaton is in this. Uh, Frank Lietta is in this. It's going to be an incredible cast ensemble, and the trailers have looked great for it. This is going to be an awards contender where you have right now Aaron Sorkin leading the front running category for best adapted screenplay, being the masterful storyteller that he is. I think he. It seems like he takes another step as a director with the second feature film. He has been a part of this project for about 13 years when Steven Spielberg came up to him and wanted him to create this film and I think with a lot of films especially awards contenders right now there's a very timely message that is coming with these films whether you want there to be a timely message or not with everything that's going on in the country right now it, it definitely has a, a symbolic meaning to it and who again who doesn't want a more Aaron Sorkin court drama between what he did with A Few Good Men his master writing in the West Wing. He's just somebody that knows how to create tension and be able to draw you into a movie with words and with dialogue and not a whole lot of action happening. And this could be a major awards contender for not just Aaron Sorkin, but for the cast. I mean, you have, again, Jeremy Strong, Sasha Baron Conan could actually legitimately be a frontrunner for best actor because of this movie. It seems like he really shows off his performance, his acting chops with this role, which he's been a part of since the beginning with Sorkin and Steven Spielberg. And it just looks like an incredible film. I've heard nothing but uh, phenomenal things about it. So I've really, really been looking forward to it. And in a in a year where there hasn't been a lot of big movies that have come out, in, in, a, in a sense, really, this is one of the kind of big blockbusters that is left on the docket. And I think even though it's coming out on a streaming service, I think a lot of people are going to be talking about it. It's going to be something that will be leading up to Election Day because of kind of the ties that it has to what we're dealing with literally today. And I think it's, it's going to be amazing. And, and I'll be having a review for it. Over the weekend, I'm going to be watching it on Friday as soon as I possibly can. So I'm definitely looking forward to see the next installment of Aaron Sorkin's directing career and the mastery that he showcases in his screenplay. So are you guys looking forward to seeing The Trial of the Chicago 7? 
Let me know and leave your thoughts. I really want to know what you guys, I want to think or know what you guys think about this film coming down the pipeline. And guys, with that, that is going to do it for this edition of the Sam Bissell Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. Be sure to check out my channel for more content. You can check me out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Radio Public, SoundCloud, and much more. Also, make sure to tune in onto the Ambiguous Podcast Solutions. And be sure to check out the other amazing shows that are on there, such as You Mad Bro, the number one source to see what the internet is pissed off about on a weekly basis. Also, check out goal-driven professionals geared toward improving client relations, return on investment, and customer acquisition costs for independent businesses and services. Also, check out The Daily Grind, a weekly motivational podcast with Kelly Johnson, giving you everyday tips and key takeaways on reaching your goals. Along the way, also make sure to check out these other awesome shows on the podcast solutions, such as Wrestle Attic Radio, Fretzel Media Podcast, and Midnight Showing. You can check these out and so much more on the website, ambiguouspodcastsolutions.com, also on Facebook and Twitter at Real Ambiguous. And if you want to check out Canopy Treehouse, use the coupon code AMBIGUOUS. Also, when you get a chance, make sure you can follow me on social media as well. You can find me on Twitter at Basel Samuel, that's B-U-S-S-E-L-L-S-A-M-U-E-L, that's B-U-S-S-E-L-L-S-A-M-U-E-L, and on Facebook at Sam Bissell. Thank you guys again so much, and until next time, keep on screening.